Christine, it's great to see you guys. I hope you're having a splendid weekend. Um, you know it's starting to get summer when you're sweating and it's 8.30 and you just walked out of the house, like, come on, you know, so summer road trip is here, road trip to the car, to the air conditioning, right? Uh, it's so good to see you guys. I'm excited about what God's doing here. Um, just su- such a great spirit in the house today and, and of just worship and, and people that are longing to, to see God's face and to grow in community together. So it's just great to see you guys. Looking forward to, to this next, uh, next few moments. If this is your first time here, maybe it's your first time here, uh, maybe it's your second or third time here, uh, we just want you to know that, that this is a place you can call home. This is a place that you can grow in community and in family, and your, your presence matters. We love it when you're here and, and you get a chance to grow, not only with your walk with God, but in relationship with one another. We think that so, if you look into the scriptures, they're so tied together, it's hard to grow in a relationship with God and look at that in the scriptures without having the community and uh, the body of Christ around you. And that's really what we're going to begin to get into today, is just talking about the body of Christ. And a couple weeks ago, we started a series called Summer Road Trip, and where a lot of times uh, series are tied together by little, little different things. Excuse me? Aren't you glad I didn't do that in the mic? Um, uh, our, our, our series are tied by different things. This is actually tied together by locations, like different places throughout the scriptures that God met people. We started off with Abraham, and Abraham had to leave this really familiar place, a place called Ur, which is a fun name to say. His hometown, he had to leave that place to go towards the the promise, so he had to leave the familiar to go to the promise. And last week, we, we looked at the city of Damascus that Paul was going to to persecute Christians, and God met him, and sometimes our, our road trips, sometimes our journeys get interrupted for God's purposes, and God interrupts our trips in order to, to direct and bring us into our purpose. And today, we're going to look to the, the city, the little town. Anybody grew up in a small town? Okay. Uh, at the little town of Philippi that we see one of the early churches start in one of Paul's uh, uh, places that he stops and does missionary work. So we'll talk more about that here in a minute. But one of the things that I really want to grab in, in, into on this idea of road trip is uh, the idea of doing it together. And uh, I was actually reading some articles and some research uh, these past couple of weeks. And I, I don't know if you can identify with this, this statistic, but I, I found out that like 70% of people, uh, of adults, admitted to having an argument or a fight in a car at least once a month. Like, that for some reason, like, things are going to, like, we don't talk, like, we're socially, like, we don't talk at home, but then we get in the car, and, like, they take, make the wrong turn, all of a sudden, stuff starts hitting the fan. Not, there's not a fan in a car, but it starts hitting the, the rearview mirror or something. Um, for some reason, it happens there, and, like, 50%, like, just almost 50% of those arguments that took place were over, can you guess what? No, directions, like, yeah, getting lost and like how we're going to get there. No, 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 that way's faster. No, 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 that, that way's faster. Um, you've probably been in uh, one of those cars, you've been in one of those situations where what comes up is sometimes it has nothing to do with uh, the directions, it's everything else. Um, in, in fact, the, uh, another uh, study I saw said that um, it only takes 22 minutes, you, that's usually the average, 22 minutes before a couple starts fighting in the car. So I don't know if your relationship is the same way, but it only takes 22 minutes, and you're going to start fighting about something, and many times that's directions. You know, it's so funny. We do argue on the way, and, and not just about where we're going, but we argue about how to get there, right? Because we, we all have our own idea about how to get there. I mean, even think about, think about this in, in your own personal life. You have, 
you have kind of an end goal and, and mom and dad or your husband or wife or your fiance or, or some friends or some coworkers may agree with where you're going, they just don't agree with how you're getting there. And you even think about it in this place. You may agree with where we're going, but you're just not agreeing with how we're getting there. And so many times we argue on the directions on how to get there. And I think there's something huge and dynamic that we've got to lean into as the body of Christ and something that Paul leans into with one of his church plants here. And it's this idea of unity. Because you want to enjoy the ride, right? You don't want to be arguing in the car on a road trip. And, and you know, sometimes I, I hear this from people. I ask them, hey, how's, how's the work going? Like, oh, it would be great if I didn't have to deal with people, you know? <laughs> How are things at home? Well, it would be good if I was the only one living there. <laughs> you, you, you know, but things aren't good. And, and sometimes it's so tough to, to kind of figure out how to, how to get there. And, and to enjoy doing it together. And I think God's going to teach us a lot of things through the text today as we open our hearts to it. So we're going to go to this town of Philippi, okay? And so we'll be going to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, Paul, who, again, we looked at last week, and that, then his name was Saul. I don't know if you remember that. His name was Saul, and he changed his name uh, so that he could be identified in the new creation of Christ that God had done in his life. He was persecuting Christians, and now He's a pastor. He's, he's on his second missionary journey, and he comes to this little town of ten to 15,000 people called Philippi. That It was, had large like Greek heritage, but it was now like 40% Roman because the Romans had colonized it. Uh, for those of you that are history nerds, this is actually the, the town in which Cassius and Brutus, the murderers of Julius Caesar, they were actually defeated at Philippi. So for those of you that just want to connect that historical thing, any of the history nerds in the house, that's there too. And this was the town of mostly blue-collar folks, just hard-working class folks. It was, you know, servants, tradesmen, and retired military, actually. I think it's kind of similar to this big town we live in. And it's just a, it's a big blue-collar town in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of, like, I think pretty good work ethic in, in just uh, in this town, a lot of retired military, uh, some of you even in the, in the room here. And so uh, that's kind of the, the setting in which this is. And one of the things to know about this, this Greek and Roman split is that there's a lot of different beliefs going on, that, that there is a lot of beliefs in a lot of different gods, I mean, they even worshipped the emperor of Rome. They had songs for him, and they had like almost a liturgy for when the, the emperor did something great. They would worship him. So they were worshipping all kinds of things, and so it was a big deal of what was being played here. And where other New Testament letters we read talk a lot about the law and kind of the, the, the Old Testament, because there was a large Jewish heritage, that's not here. They're actually believing in a lot of different things. And so, so, uh, so Jesus, is, or uh, that Paul is kind of bringing them to unity under the gospel and what this really means to be unified. And so Paul's writing this, Pastor Paul's writing this from prison. So uh, we're going to uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 1. If you are reading on the Bible app, you can look up the live event and just search it and you'll find this one and the notes are on there if you'd like to follow along on that as well. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. So this is just starting out immediately with an if-then statement. If you, like if you have anything good going on in your relationship with Jesus, if there's anything good happening because you're united to his Spirit and, and to Christ, if there's anything good happening out of that, then, Paul says, make my joy complete. I mean, I just get it when, when Pastor Paul talks to his church. 
um, when he's just speaking. He's like, make my joy complete. You're going to make me a kind of proud a pastor, just knowing that you're like-minded and you're of the same thing. And we could kind of break down the Greek and put it back together here in verse 2. But really, it's breaking down this, to this idea of being united, being united in spirit, just having the same love of what Christ gave us and being united. And so that's really kind of the first stopping point for us here on this, when we're road tripping together, if you will, I believe is to pursue unity. Pursue unity. It's one thing to hope for unity. It's another thing to fight for it. It's another thing to pursue it. Some of you in, in this room, um, you know, can, can think about your whole life, and sometimes we're really hoping, again, hoping for unity, hoping that everyone agrees, but it's another thing to pursue it. It's hard to find unity, right? It's, fine, it's hard to find someone that we agree with, you know, them all the time, right? I don't know if you can find someone like that. One of my spiritual mentors used to say all the time, he said, I don't worry about agreeing with you all the time, he said, because I don't agree with myself most of the time. <laughs> so he said, you know, sometimes I'll agree with myself today, and by next week I'm not agreeing with myself, or two years later I don't agree with myself. And so it's hard to find that. At home, do you agree on everything? Probably not. At work, do you agree with everyone all the time? Probably not. Um, and, and so many times we think we're going to agree on everything in the, the church, and, and many times we don't. And uh, one kind of classic, if you will, kind of statement that was given, and many times it's uh, attributed to St. Augustine, or old St. Augustine, since we're on old St. Augustine Road. That should get some kind of just giggle, or just, just a courtesy giggle. <laughs> would be super. Old St. Augustine here. Um, sorry, I, I'm, I'm needy. I need that, right? Um, uh, so it's attributed to Old St. Augustine, but uh, it, many times that people refute and say it was like some kind of German Lutheran uh, theologian. But he said, look, in, in the essentials of the faith, we should have unity. In the non-essentials, and, and we'll go into another conversation at another point, talk about what the non-essentials are. In non-essentials, -essential, there should be liberty, but in all things, there should be charity. In all things, charity means grace. Like, there should be grace in everything. And so th that's been identified many times. And so some of you will immediately kind of package the things in your brain of which are essentials and which are non-essentials. And that's, a, a, again, a, a much larger argument and, and conversation than what I really want to get into today. What I really want to get into today is the idea of unity and doing it together, okay? And, and so where you probably draw that line of essentials is probably not where I, I draw it. And the important thing is where we go to the scriptures and see where the scriptures draw it, amen? Like it, it's not really about where what we think are essentials, it's really about what God says are the essentials. And uh, really pursuing unity and what does it mean to really fight for unity, uh, some of you have uh, probably been in churches, some of you grew up in churches, and you had a church split. I hope this hasn't happened to you, or you haven't been involved in church, but it happens, and some of you have just heard of it. I've actually never been in a church that that happened. And so why, do, why does something like that, how does something like that happen? Well, I think it's because there's not a pursuing of unity. It's really more about personal preference. It's more about personal preference, and really as we begin to get in the idea of, of unity, it's not about me fighting for my side, it's about us fighting for our side. So what does it mean to fight for unity? I think it means fighting for our brothers and sisters and not against them. Did you ever fight for your brother or your sister, like a sibling? Did you ever actually, like, you'll stand up for them and, like, throw a punch for them? Like, at home, we will beat each other up, but if you try to beat them up, no, 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 that's my job <laughs> to beat them up. It's, it's fighting for them and not against them. So many times in the body of Christ, we, we're kind of 
pulling our own ways, and if we get into a, a spat, it becomes us against them, and it's really us for each other, and it's fighting for each other, not against them. So I, I think we've got to really understand what it means to fight. My wife is the, is, um, she, let me tell you why she's an amazing wife. Um, there's been times in our ministry where everyone has not agreed with the way we did things. Not where we were going, but how we were getting there. Okay, I know that's shocking to believe, but uh, uh, that's happened. And, you know, every once in a while, you know, people will just think they're funny and they'll make little comments. Anybody ever been around that? And like, oh, that was not necessary. And like, we understood your intent. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those things happen. So that's happened on occasion in our ministry together. And those people have learned that if my wife, you can do that with me around and I'm going to pat you on the back and say, I love you and it's all good. And, um, but if you do that with my wife present, like she might claw your eyes out. no, she, she really won't. No, she doesn't in such a godly way, and that's what I love about her. She, she doesn't, but she directly handles the situation, that she's not going to let anyone speak about her husband in that way. In a clear and loving way, she presents that. Like, you're not going to speak to him like that. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a pastor. It has everything to do that she's my wife, and she's going to fight for me, that she's got my back. And, and so many times, even within our own homes, even within, with our own kids, like we're not fighting for them, we're fighting against them. We're not building them up, we're, we're, building, or, or we're tearing them down. So that's kind of the first thing of what it means to fight for unity, is speaking up and fighting for them, not against them. The other thing I think is praying, praying for our church. Jesus said, pray for your enemies and bless those who persecute you. Like, first of all, are, are we really doing that most of the time? Pro- probably not, I think we should. But if we're supposed to be praying for our enemies, how much more should we be praying for the body of Christ? Should we be praying for our church? And I think that puts us in such a place of kingdom-mindedness. I was convicted this morning, even driving down this road of old St. Augustine, there's just, you know, you probably noticed, there's a lot of churches, a lot with their own unique kind of place in Christendom. Um, and, and many times I just find myself, you know, just kind of, indifferent to their works, if, if I'm just being honest, I'm just like, whatever, God's doing their thing, and, and not praying for them, but the Lord convicted me on the way here, I'm passing lots of churches, and to build them up in, in prayer, why not, like, why would I not build them up, God, lead them to truth, God, lead them to righteousness, use their body in the mission of the kingdom, it humbles me to the place of being about unity in the body of Christ, and we see that pounded and pounded and pounded, pray for my church, I serve in my church, it's hard to, to be tearing something down and, and dividing it when you're the one laboring. You know what I mean? You know, we can disagree on how to plant the flowers, you know, if we're working together, but we're all in it together. We're all putting our sweat in, and blood, sweat, and tears, and making it happen. Uh, in his teaching, um, The Five Enemies of Unity, Dave Ramsey includes this last one. He says, Gossip is a killer in an organization. It's a killer in an organization. And so he says this, we hand criticism up and we hand compliments out. If we're going to be a place that fights for unity, this is not, I don't hear a lot of gossip. People probably assume that I hear a lot of gossip, but I don't because this is where it'll stop. (laughs) And that's usually not what a gossiper wants, right? A gossiper wants that to be able to be spread. and, And maybe we say, just keep it to yourself. But really at the idea, we're trying to pass something around. I don't hear a lot of gossip because it's going to come right here and it's going to stop. And I'm not saying that as like being aggressive and whatever, but I'm not going to allow like that to just continue, particularly if we're talking about someone else. 
And so if you ever wonder, somebody's talking about you behind your back, um, I'll tell you they haven't to me, okay, because I, I won't allow it. And that's part of fighting for them, fighting for them. And, and so handing criticism up, like, look, if we don't agree with something going on or if we've got questions about a certain thing, let's not just kind of be spreading that around to just different people. Let's hand it to the people that can do something about it. Like, it, it makes no sense when we complain of, about the, the prices to the server, right? You know, to the server at the restaurant. Oh, I can't believe you guys upped your prices again. Like, that person can't do anything about it. But you know who can? Like, hey, can I talk to your manager? I'm not going to be rude about it. Can I talk to your manager? Hey, what's up with the price change? Like, what's going on with that? Like, I loved your restaurant, but man, it's getting kind of pricey. Like, it, was, it used to be five bucks for a sandwich, and now it's eight bucks. What happened? Well, they'll probably explain something, but at least I'm talking to someone who can do something about it. I, I talk to the owner or send an email to the owner as opposed to just dealing with the, the person that can do nothing about it, and, and it just brings division in the body. So what does it mean to fight for unity? Really, all of these things, and, and really so much more. But I think that gets us started on just the, the heart of what it means. And so in our lives, I think we've got to really assess, like, are there areas in which I'm not, I'm not fighting for unity? I'm just being indifferent. I'm just letting that comment slide when really I know that I should be standing up and, and fighting for them. And maybe that's someone in your house. Maybe that's someone at work. And gosh, I know this happens in the work environment, like ridiculousness. Okay, anybody know that? Amen? Yes? I mean, there's constant, like, just gossip going around about this and that and who's getting a promotion and who's getting fired and who's showing up late and who's not doing this and who's doing that. Everywhere. You know, if you want to be the best employee, if you want that raise, then be the best employee and don't be the one that's letting gossip go around because you're adding value to that organization. So this plays into everywhere in life and certainly in the body of Christ that Paul is pouring into. Well, that's verse 2. Let's keep going. <laughs> Um, let's look at verse 3 and verse 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He's going to begin to explain again more about how we create division. They make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look um, not <clears throat> only to your own interests, uh, but also to the interests of others. I, I got to be honest, this text ripped me up and spit me out years ago, and it set me free, set me free in a way that I didn't know I could be set free, and this may not feel like one of those texts, but I I'll explain more of that. I think the second thing that Paul would really share to us today is to check our motives, check our motives. First thing, pursue unity. When we're road tripping together, check our, check our motives, check them at the door when we get in a car and we head on a road trip, we check everything, right? We check our gauges. We check, make sure we got enough gas. Do we need to get gas now? Uh, we kick the tires, which don't do that. My dad broke his toe one time doing that. Uh, my mom had just broken up with him, which is funny. Uh, and he kicked a school bus and he broke his toe. It was a different thing. But uh, don't kick the tires. Um, just put the thing in and check the gauge. So we check the tires. We check the, the oil. We check the signs. We check our Facebook status while we're driving, right? Everything. I uh, hope not. Now, we do all of those things. I mean, there was actually one time where, um, when I was a, a teenager that uh, had a new car, and um, just I, I was burning oil, I was losing oil, leaking oil, and I didn't know it, and uh, I went on for a long time without even checking the oil. I didn't even, I think I knew that I was burning off a little bit of oil, but I was never checking the oil. Eventually, that car would blow up. That's what happens when you don't put oil in the car and it's burning and you're losing it. That's what's going to happen. So I'm going to save somebody a brand new engine today. 
go check your oil. <laughs> you are welcome. Go check your oil. Uh, if not, it, it will cost you. And I think the same thing is true about our motives. If we don't check our motives, it's going to cost us. Something's going to blow up at some point, and it's not going to be good. We're going to end up uh, paying for it. Paul kind of lays out what it means to check our motives here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So he sets us up with both the problem and the solution, rather, in humility. So he, we're going to get to that. So let's really talk about the problem and the solution. One, the problem is selfish ambition. This word goes back, and this is actually the only time this Greek word is used in all of the scriptures. It, it's pulled from, a, 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 um, from, from Aristotle. Aristotle used this when people were fighting for a political gain. And this idea of selfish ambition really is about our selfish goals. And the other aspect of vain conceit is really an idea of selfish thoughts. I, I've heard it once said that humility is not really thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. You've probably heard that quote. So I think that kind of combats the idea of selfish ambition. So really the problem is prideful thinking and prideful goals, that it's about me. So as we're talking about checking our motives and assessing our motives, I, I think here's the good news, is that good people can have motive problems. Maybe a good person. You may love Jesus, and we may all have some motive problems in the room. Whether it's here, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, and we're not about the big picture, we're really about numero uno, right? And the good news is that um, once our, 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 our motives can be corrected, the Lord can correct those in our life. He can bring that, that in, into our lives. And so I, I think we've got to really lean into this and ask the Lord, you know, what, what are my motives? What are my motives? Let's just take this scenario where we're at right now. We all came here for different reasons, right? Some of us came here because we're broken and we're hurting and we need a place for, to be healed. Some of us came here because we, we've got a lot of questions and we need answers. Some of us came here um, to, 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 to be fed, to be fed by the word. Some of us came here because we've, we've got a friend that invited us. Someone came, some of us came here um, because it's just what we do. A lot of us, we, we came here for many different re re reasons. Our motives for being here. Some of us just came here to serve because we like being useful and putting our hands to something. But it's important that we get a, a united mind of why we are here. Not that all of those aren't important. Those are all important. Like this is a place where God wants to heal. This is a place where we have an opportunity to chew on the meat of Scripture and, and be filled up and nourished and grow up into the people God's called us to be. There's, and all those things are true. Like, this is a place to serve. This is a place to be together as a community. But the first and foremost place on, on why all of this, and it, makes, it purifies all of those motives, is when the first thing is the first thing, is that we come and, and we gather to celebrate Jesus because Jesus and, and, and the, the Father are worthy of our praise. Because the Spirit wants to do something in our life and is desiring communion and relationship. So get the first thing right, and the rest of those things won't be as, uh, as, a, as much of a negative if, if we come with the first and foremost thing being the first and foremost thing, is to come sit at the feet of Jesus and bring honor because he's worthy. He, because he's worthy. And so that begins to purify all the things, because when we focus on him, he brings healing into our life. We get fed. Many times people come here or they leave here and like, oh man, I just wasn't getting fed. Like, and I, I, I don't know what to tell them, um, first of all. Um, and, and I don't take that as an offense, but I, I, what I do is I see as an, another layer that, that maybe we can't see sometimes and that there's a lot of selfish thinking there. That I came to get something for 
me, and when that doesn't happen, or I came to find this place, or, or do this, but here's the truth, is when we come to the Father, and when we give him what he's worthy of, and our worship, and our praise, all those things begin to flow down. When we're, it, it, it's not my fault, and, and this sounds like a pastor, like being whatever, but it's not my fault if you're not being fed on a daily basis. It's not. And if a particular message is not geared towards you, you know what? I really don't care. And really, at the end of the day, you shouldn't either. <laughs> I'm, talk, I'm not talking about on a whole. Like, if you don't receive anything in a whole thing, like, you, you may be in the wrong place. This may not be your fit, honestly. It just might not be your, your flavor. And, like, go, go find another cup of coffee. And I mean that genuinely. Go get plugged into a place that you can believe in, you can connect in, and connect with me. If it drives you nuts that I don't tuck in my shirt, go find a place that does tuck in their shirt. Like, like if you hate people with facial hair, then there's a ton of it in here, so find a... Um, it is. Like, nobody, like nobody, not many guys shave anymore, so uh, amen to that. Anybody? Amen? Um, it, God wants to be in communion with you. Like, I love Moses, and I love that he went up and got the Ten Commandments for everybody. And I love Paul, and I love that God interrupted his journey, and he poured out letters that bring nourishment and encouragement to us. But look, I'm, I'm not Paul, and I ain't Moses. And, and, and my biggest thing isn't come to, to bring something down. My, my, my job is to come in here and, and preach to you and shepherd you and encourage you and love you when you are hurting. Like, that's what I, I want to be. That's who I'm called to be, to stir up your gifts and send you out. Like, that's who... I'm called to be. I, I'm not your personal valet service to, to, to the scriptures that you just come in and drop the car off every once in a while when it needs to be. No, you, God wants to be in communion with you. This isn't just kind of fix a couple things on the weekend. No, this is about living it. This is about a God that wants to walk with you. He wants, to, he wants his presence just active in your life on a daily basis that has great plans for you. And so if you don't get fed, like check the motives check the gauge, kick the tires, um, check the oil, because something may be ready to blow up. Okay, he also gives us the solution. Let me move on here. Sorry, was that too harsh? So, all right. I'll receive an amen like the rest of them. Uh, <laughs> um, he gives us the solution too. Thanks, Paul, for not just throwing that in our face, but like, what's the, help us get away from this. He says, in humility, in humility, let's go back and read it real quick. Uh, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is freeing. This is what I, the breakthrough I was talking about in my life. This is where it happened. And this seems like an unlikely scripture to get like a big breakthrough. But this is where it happened. And Paul gives us a solution. You want to fight that pride? Start practicing your hum humility. Like you brush your teeth in the morning. You do brush your teeth in the morning, right? That's like checking your oil. You should brush your teeth in the morning too. Um, we should practice humility just like every day, three times a day. Just make sure we're practicing that humility. It's going to fight the pride. Value others better than yourself. And this is where God just ripped me from piece to piece. That I realized that I, I respected people, but I respected the people I want to respect. I didn't value others. It didn't say value rich folks or, or value influential folks. It didn't say value people of authority. It didn't say value mom. It said value others. That's pretty general to value others and to have a genuine respect for the people around you. That we don't walk around, even though no one's like, I'm better than everybody in here. Like, no one does that. 
No one does that, but we all do that. We don't carry around that haughty kind of mindset, but we don't realize how much time we don't have a respect for the people around us, a genuine just love and desire to see um, uh, them as better than ourselves. And that's so free when I can begin to respect people in just a, a really genuine fashion. Uh, so that'll fight that vain conceit where I'm focused on myself. No, I'm actually focused on others and man, what they bring to the table and, and what God's doing in their life and, and the things they have to say, not just about what I have to say. And, then, and really focusing on others is another solution to this because that fights that selfish ambition. I'm not all about building my mountain. It's not all about what I can get out of it. It's really about serving others. So it starts from this place of really pursuing unity and kind of throws out this idea here, I believe, and then checking our motives. And he's getting all the way down into the, the heart of the heart of the situation in verse 5 when he points to Christ saying, you really want this solution? Let me give you this solution. I love what he says here in verse 5. Your attitude, oh, um, yeah, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your relationships, not in your work, not in your worship, not in your righteousness, not in your plans, not in anything else, in your relationships, have the mindset of Christ. A lot of times relationships just happen, and we don't actively pour into them. We, we looked at, Many times we looked at what we can get out of relationships and not what we can put into them. Just think about that. Think about the relationships in your life. Many times we're, we're focused on what we can get out of those and not what we're in that position to pour into whether that be kids, whether that be spouse, whether that be a friend, whether that be at church, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Not works. We're talking about, it's got to start with the mind. God's wanting us to get into the mind. What's the mindset of Christ? He goes on. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of what? of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Really last thing, in our road tripping together, pursue unity. Check, the, check your motives, honestly, for being here at work, everything. Take on the mindset of Christ in all your relationships with the people you're sitting to right now, uh, sitting right next to right now for people that you'll meet later today at our beach picnic or or, or anybody in your life, in your relationships, take on the mindset of Christ. And what is that? That he made himself nothing. That he made himself nothing. And he made himself a servant. And so really, what does that mean to take on the, the mindset of Christ? It says it really plainly there. Make yourself nothing. Be a servant. Jesus was obedient even to death on a cross. Be obedient. You want to take on the mindset of Christ? Be obedient. You want to take on the mindset of Christ? Serve the people around you. See how that starts changing the dynamics of your relationships when, when we start serving, when we start serving, when we're looking to pursue unity. Let's read verses 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name and at that name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Really, our, our last thing just is take it on the, on the mindset of Christ and our relationships. It's, it's simple. It's straightforward. He says it for us. 
And, and the beauty of what happens here is, is when Jesus did this, God did what to him? When he humbled himself to this place, he, he raised him up. Um, he raised him up. And when we humble ourselves, you remember this is an if-then statement. If-then statement. If, if you have any encouragement from being with Christ, if you're not in spirit, if there's anything good coming out, there's any tenderness and compassion, anything good that's coming out of it, then make my joy complete by having one mind. There's a, there's a bunch of other statements in the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, that talk about humility. They're going to throw them up here right now. And look at God's promise when we humble ourselves. When we find ourselves in unity, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people will humble themselves, it's, it's much longer, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will forgive their sin and I'll come and heal your land. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll do what? Lift you up. Matthew 23.12, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He mocks the proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Favor, exalting, lifting us up, forgiving sin, and healing our lives. And it happens with what? It happens with humility, which we talked about last week. I believe this is what kind of sets up that mindset of Christ, of walking in that obedience, taking on servanthood, and being faithful. And so I know some of us in the room, we've got some heavy issues like we're facing whether it's conflict at work, conflict at home, conflict at church, I don't, I don't know. Heavy stuff, and, I, and I'm being honest and sincere, and if you feel like I'm thinking into your situation, I'm thinking into all of them, because people sitting around you are dealing with them too. And we're in this room together, and God's wanting us to be united in spirit. If there's anything good coming out of that relationship, then we should be united in spirit. And God's wanting to bring that here in this body. He's wanting to bring that into your house. He's wanting to bring that into your work. And look, someone may be fighting against you, and you just need to start fighting for them. Someone may be speaking curses, and you just need to start praying. Can we just do something this week? Can we just believe what it says? Can we just go and just try to live what it says, like, and just say, God, that's not, that's not easy. Let's just be real. That's not easy, but help me to walk in it. God, help me, help me, help me to check my motives. I want to invite you to stand this morning. I've had people in my life that were fighting against me. I have. I've had people that were fighting against me, not just in person, um, but behind closed doors. I, I knew they were fighting against me. I could sense it spiritually. I could sense that. And God gave me just a lot of strength in that season of my life, or in those seasons. There's been more than one to just love them and to show grace to them. God broke some chains in that time when I was so worried about fighting for myself, guarding myself, knowing that the Lord is going to fight for me. As I humble myself, as I take on that mindset of Christ, he's going to do all those things. He's going to exalt me as I saw favor. 
I saw favor with the same people that were fighting against me. Man, they turned out to be my biggest fans. That were fighting for me. And I don't know how that resonates in your life and kind of what you're going through, but I know the Lord's wanting to bring unity into this body. And we talk about the word community a lot, but that's just kind of together and unity is in that word. It's not just being together, it's being united together. It's one thing to be connected and know people, it's another thing to pursue unity. So I want us to bow our heads and, and check our motives in this time and we're gonna come to the table, I'm gonna invite you to the table and man, this is a reminder of the humility of that mindset that Jesus took on when he was obedient to the cross. And if you don't have it in you to take on the mindset of Jesus, come to this table and be reminded that Jesus took it on for you. That he took the most humble position. He didn't claim it to be just an opportunity to do, to do what he wants, but to be submissive to the will of the Father and to walk in it. And that's what I want us to do today. You don't have to feel pressured to come up here, particularly if you're not a believer. This is a time for believers to be united in Christ, so you're fine to stay right where you're at. But if you make that confession coming forward, just say, God, just crucify the sin in me, God, with Jesus, that it was done. It was done at the cross. God, help me to walk in the grace to respect others, to value others, to serve others. Teach us, Father. Teach us, Son. Teach us, Spirit. God, this room is diverse, to say the least. Folks of many different backgrounds, many different races, many different socioeconomic parts of the world, many different careers, many different family makeups. Somehow, God, in the beauty of your spirit, we're one. And it's through your grace, God. Your blood and body that was ripped up and poured out, God, was for us that we might know oneness as you know with the Father. God, for those that come in today and are just fighting selfishness, and it's hard because life's hard, I pray that we'd put the, the, the most important thing at the most important and, and, and highest place in our life of worshiping you, Lord and giving you glory because you are worthy. God, and as we do that, heal our hearts. As we humble ourselves, forgive our sins. God, exalt us, lift us up. God, favor the people in this house as we walk towards you. Take on that mindset of Christ today, Fathom Church. God, we love you. We humble ourselves as we come to the table in Christ's name. Amen. The tables are open in the front, and so you can come as you are as they lead us in worship.